0: Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives.
1: Hey everyone! Welcome to another episode of Keep It One Hundred with Sean and Krista Smith.
0: It's your boy (laughs) Sean.
1: My favorite. Hey, we're so excited to be with you. We have a unique episode. Uh, Before we dive into the topic, and I'm going to I'm going to break down kind of what that looks like for today's episode. Uh, But we have some really fun highlights that we just kind of want to share with you guys of what we've been up to since we were together last.
0: Yes. One of the things is that we went across the pond. Everybody went to the UK, went to London. We were able to do a conference uh, over there uh, for our great friend Tommy Arayomi, and uh, we were with the Featherstones, which are great pastors over there of a phenomenal church.
1: Yeah, amazing and people. And the
0: conference was so fun. We saw God do some just some powerful things. Yeah. We got a chance to get over and take pictures in front of Big Ben. Went down the Thames River. That's how they would say it. I would say it phonetically Thames, but they don't pronounce. Their ages, and it was so cool because up and down that little Thames River, it's kind of for us like Pier Thirty Nine in San Francisco. Yeah, it is. And so we got some great food over there, hung out, saw some sights, and it's just so cool because although we speak the same language, we don't, right?
1: Yeah, it's a totally different world over there. And you know, it's cool because I've you know been exposed to UK culture for years, ministered in Ireland and different places around the UK, but never myself in London actually ministered. So that was my first time, and I just kind of prepared myself for a little bit. More quiet uh, congregation, uh, not super interactive or responsive. And I found quite the opposite. I was like shocked of how fiery this remnant group has really gathered in London. And we really are seeing it around the world. And it it's so exciting because I feel like people are going beyond cultural norms and they're tapping into kingdom. And there's this really beautiful hunger that is across the board that we're seeing no matter where we go, no matter what country, no matter what congregation. People are not Staying in the boxes anymore I feel like people Are shattering boxes
0: Yeah they were Definitely not lethargic They were lit They
1: were amazing They were
0: lit They were so fiery Packed out. All the meetings were powerful. Just the prophetic, just the healing. It was so cool. We got a chance to stay at a nice little inn that you
1: beautiful. We
0: got a chance to eat a good meal together there. It was fun. Look out over kind of I don't know a pasture, or a golf course, or something out there was a the field. So it was it was, it was cool. Uh, we got a chance to get some good food there, and it was just a great yeah, time.
1: It was amazing. It just felt like we did our assignment. And then I came home right after that. Yep. Jumped right into a Bethel Women's Conference called Wonder this year, and have Who's just an amazing woman of God. I just so love what she carries. She invited myself and Lisa Bevere, and then a ton of women that are on Bethel's staff that are just powerhouses in their own right. I mean, they're each of them could be like carrying a conference. They're just incredible women of God. And there was probably like ten of us that were speaking. Um, that they had the day sessions, and I had uh, two of the night sessions, and it was incredible. I mean, I I felt like we had a freedom in the room during uh, my session that was just special. It was so unique. I feel like what God is doing with women is, it really is the word special. It's just different. And it feels like such an honor uh, just to be able to witness God raising up women in this hour. And there was a roar and a sound and a release and a freedom that I have not seen hit a room before. That was just incredible. I I really feel marked and changed from that gathering at Wonder. And so I came home raving about it to Sean. I was like, I always want him at everything with me. Even
0: before you did, I, we have so many great friends up in Bethel Reading. They were hitting me up. I was in Huntsville, Texas, reaching out to university students. Yeah, and so, the, good. so they were hitting me up and just talking about how your session, God just came down, blew it up. If you guys want to go to Krista's uh, Instagram account, Ms. Uh, Krista Smith, you're going to see some clips if you go back. And it was just amazing. There was a point in time where the women just erupted. It was
1: incredible. And just
0: went straight wild. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome.
1: And then I loved, as I was ministering in Bethel, you were down, like you said, in Huntsville, Texas with all these college students. And there was like, what? You guys stayed till midnight. There was like Holy Ghost breakout. There was legit deliverances. Tons of students got saved. I mean, you yes. had radical services. It was it, so powerful. It was
0: powerful. We love Eli and Mary Gotro down there and uh, Colin, Jason, all those guys that are doing a great job down there. I think we had one night where 25, 30 kids got saved. And we had a, a night where uh, that many or more were baptized in the Holy go mm-hmm. received the heavenly language for the first time. So it was truly yeah. awesome.
1: You know, so be encouraged, you guys, as you're hearing these testimonies, this isn't us just sharing like, oh, this is just happened to happening. This is like, this is what's available. This is what God's doing all over. So grab these testimonies because we always believe that the testimony of Jesus spirit of prophecy, meaning we're prophesying to you what's available right now. There is just a Holy Ghost outpouring that's happening all over. And so we want you guys to grab that for wherever you call home because we believe more is available. Speaking also, of more,
0: Another great announcement, yes. you guys. We're going to have another momentum night. Come on. We did one about a month ago. It was amazing. We incredible. had a capacity crowd. 400 people show up on two weeks. I think we talked about two weeks' notice. But we're doing another momentum night for those of you that missed the last one. It's going to be May 12th at 7 p.m. It's going to be a Sequoia Community Church. You can look up the address, but it's 4292 Keller Avenue in Oakland. And we are super excited. Yeah. And so we, we kind of are going to follow up that last night of fire. We're calling hungry believers, revivalists, reformers. We're calling the unsaved to come and join us for round two. And we really believe that if we come together, that God is already at work in the Bay, and it's just us coming together, coming in agreement for a a move of God. Because we all know we just need a movement, and so you need to join us for this momentum night again. It is going to be May 12th, Friday night at 7 p.m. Come join us, Bay Area, and and NorCal,
1: and that's right. And we always say to you guys, get in. the room if you're able to get in the room there's something about when you're in the room with the Holy Ghost it is just different it hits differently it transforms you differently so get in the room if you know anyone in the Bay Area if you live in the Bay Area show up it's free no registration just come bring your mom bring your friends bring your family bring your neighbors bring them all because the Holy Ghost is about to break out and we're just continuing for a move of God and we're beginning to see it So join us May 12th okay are we ready
0: let's go okay
1: so this is kind of fun I propose this idea to Sean I I just have been wanting to interview Sean for a while because he has one of the most powerful stories and he's my husband. So I get a front row seat to this man of God every day. And he truly is one of the most Christ-like people I know. He constantly challenges me with his walk with God. He walks in such an integrity. He walks in such a deep conviction for the things of God, but he also walks in a sincere joy and a peace that is truly unrattled. I have seen my husband face incredibly difficult situations. situations and, uh, you know, moments in life. And he just stays steadfast in things of God. And I'm always asking him questions because I always want to be a student and I want to learn from people that walk deeper in areas that I want to walk deeper in. So I'm going to talk to my husband about places that are hard and places that have been difficult and places that have been really painful. I think in today's world, let me open it up with this baby. I think in today's world, we have a world that really focuses on people's pain and people are very quick to share and sometimes overshare their pain and their trauma and their hardship. And I do appreciate vulnerability and I encourage vulnerability. I want people to feel like they can be transparent and be totally open with their hardships. But as a believer in Christ, I always have questions on how to walk through the hardships. But before we get through the how to walk through, I know your life. Um, You don't know all the questions that I'm going to ask you today. Um, but I want to come to you, and I want to start talking to you because I know firsthand you've walked through a lot of trauma, you've walked through a lot of hardship, baby. What would you say is one of the most difficult things you've ever had to walk through?
0: That is actually a very great question. I think in my life, I look back. You know, I had people walk out of my life in significant relationship. I experienced the death of uh, close ones. I've had to deal with diseases that have plagued uh, people that I love. I I think that there's several things that were very, very challenging for me. And I think the thing that I, I really would sum it all up in is those areas where you really can't help yourself. Like it's a decision made by someone else. Yeah. You know, when I was old enough to recognize my dad initially, of course, this is not how it ended, but my dad initially chose to walk out on me. So I think that was probably the first time, you know, obviously someone significant that, you know, he had gotten my mother pregnant and and didn't want to be a dad, didn't want to be a husband. And so he, he walked out. And so that, when I was old enough to kind of discover that, I realized in retrospect, it hit and affected me in a deeper place than I could articulate. Because when you're young, you don't know. You don't have all the terminology. So I think that happened. I've had relationships uh, where people have walked out. Uh, you know, I've had people that were uh, emotionally non-present, although maybe physically they've been there. Uh, my precious mom, she she had so much she had to fight through. She's gone to be with the Lord. But there was a period in time where she probably was not emotionally as present. Those of you that know my testimony, my grandmother was an alcoholic coming up. So there was times during in which she was drunk that she was not emotionally available. But when she was sober, she was very much available. So it was kind of a, I describe it as kind of a Jekyll Hyde. She was never abusive to me. She was she was an old school disciplinarian and she was a very Southern black grandmother-ish in her upbringing, how she brought me up. But I just think throughout my life, whether it was in high school with peer pressure, but not really knowing who I am in my day. Uh, to, you know, just earlier relationships, failed relationships, obviously before I met you. And so I, when I put it together, it's those moments where either a disease or someone making a decision where you don't have control. I feel like I do better if I can have a, an element of control. Now, obviously control, is, it's a subjective word, it's very fluid. God ultimately is in control. We're, we're not in control, but things that I can make a decision and I can shift and change. There are things in life, and I'm sure there are people that are listening, that regardless of what decision you may or may not have made, there's certain things in life that will hit you square between the eyes and you just have to, you have to roll, you have to shift, you have to adapt. So those are probably the toughest things that have happened in my life.
1: So I I hear you talking about the alcoholism, losing your grandma, um, your dad being murdered and your dad initially walking out and just the consistency of just that trauma after trauma after trauma. And there's other things that you didn't even state, you know, that I know you you walked through or whatever. And I guess the question I would have that I think a lot of people listening would have is we serve a God who's really good and we know logically in our brains, God is good, but then you're going through things that aren't good. How do you reconcile in the midst of trauma and pain that God is still good in pain and suffering? Like, how do you, how do you stay in a place of God being good when it's like so hard? There are two
0: thoughts that I have on that. The first thought is this, you have to get job descriptions correct. The thief, the devil, the Bible says, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came that you may have life and life more abundantly. We pray the prayer Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, may his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes people think that because it happens, God did it or God purposed it. And although I don't think anything can happen to a believer without God being able to redeem it and use it, and I'll talk about that in a moment, not everything that happens to you is from the hand of God. And I think until you understand that, we've let people out of their pain rewrite our theology Ooh. Say that again. That's so good. We've let people who've had hurts and wounds and pains change God into kind of this God that allows mean things to happen as if he would kind of torture his kids a little bit to try to make them better followers. That's not God at all. And you have to understand there will be a time when God completely, in terms of his will being enforced over people, and the Bible says that that time will be a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible says there'll be no more wars, no more pain, no more killing, no more murder. And We got to remember when Jesus... Jesus, when God created the Garden of Eden, none of that was there. The serpent was there. It was only when man partnered outside of the will of God with what the enemy wanted to do that pain and suffering comes into the world. And it's still the case today. If we would come in agreement with God, there's so much that would be avoided. And you have to understand, we live in a a fallen world. We live in a sin-sick world where people make decisions that are not God. If everyone lived the way Jesus lived, our, our world would be a completely different place. All you got to do is read the gospels and look at what Jesus did. And if you find out Jesus was always destroying the works of the enemy and undoing what the devil did. So if you see that, that is a clear theological depiction of who the father is. So number one, this is so important and this always helps me is I got to stop and think God is good, but we live in a fallen world. That displays what's bad, but if we lean into God, there's always hope, and that's the biggest thing. So that leads me to the second thing that's huge. And in fact, I even put this on social media, and I say you have. This is a lesson I've learned, gang. You have to live your life as if what Jesus did for you is bigger than what they did to you. If you can live your life as if what Jesus did for you is bigger than what they did to you, then the pain will never define you. Wow. I'm not defined by pain. I'm not defined by someone else's brokenness. I've had betrayal. Uh, You've had betrayal. Everybody has had betrayal in their life. I've had people say things about me that weren't true in some instances, some people, you know, relatively close. But in the midst of all of that, I I say what Jesus did for me on the cross will never be outdone by what they did to me. So no matter how much, let's just say someone's throwing rocks at me, right? I feel that rock hit my body. I feel the pain of that. I can see the bruise of that. Maybe it's uh, scarred me. Maybe it's broken skin or whatever, uh, maybe it's knocked me down like the rock hit me, but none of that is greater than when Jesus puts me on my feet. So when Jesus set me upon the rock, he put me on my feet. When Jesus sets you on the rock, the rocks they throw at you can't take you off your feet mm-hmm. unless you let them. And I just refuse. And I think that understanding of what Jesus did for me is greater than what they did to me. It takes me out of victim's mentality. It takes me out of a, a victim circumstance and put me in in a victor circle. Mm. You know, like when you win them horse races, like when they do the big triple crown, they yeah. g- they get in a winner circle. Right. I feel like I'm not going to be in a, in a, a victim mentality. I'm going to be in a victor circle at the end of the day. And then I also believe this, no matter how bad it gets, if Jesus is in the equation, the upturn can begin the moment I acknowledge Jesus in my situation. So those things I think are really have been helpful. His joy is greater than my pain. Ooh. And you have to focus on that. Yeah. Because what you focus on at the end of the day, you allow greater access, you give greater mental space to, and in fact, your feelings will follow your optics. And so if my optics True. are on the pain and how bad it is, then my feelings follow that before I know it, I've come underneath that instead of being above that.
1: Oh, my goodness. That that's, that's a book. I mean, that's <laughs> profound, baby. I love this. So you're talking about, I just want to take that what you focus on even a step further, if that's okay. Because mm-hmm. I think that that's such a powerful thing because I've watched you receive bad news. I I've I've watched you get the call um, that your mom is being rushed to the ER and Mm -hmm. she passed away that night. I was Mm -hmm. with you. I was by your side in that moment. I watched you worship, lean into God, pray. What is the default setting within you that when you are literally slapped in the face with the most unspeakable, unexpected, blindsiding pain, what's your default setting that you just naturally tap into? Because I think what our default settings are is key. It has to be like so practice within us becomes instinct right because you can't really think clearly in highly emotional places and spaces and so there's something in our instinctual place that had had to have been developed before we get to the crisis you're practiced in this you're disciplined in this what is those disciplines that you literally activate when the pain comes knocking on your door
0: I think some people run to Jesus when crisis comes but if you stay in Jesus you don't have to run to Jesus Oof. you know some people have The false philosophy is uh, stay petty so you don't have to get petty. (laughs) My my thing is stay in Jesus so you don't have to go back and get in Jesus when crisis comes. Mm. But here's, I think, another fallacy. I think a lot of people think that peace is the absence of pain and unmet needs and wants. They think peace. And so I want to say it this way. Peace is not the absence of unmet needs, pains, and hurts, but its ability to give them the proper status. Mm. Whatever pain, whatever setback, whatever thing, give it the proper status in a way that it never drowns out the value of what you already possess. You possess Jesus living inside of you, which is heaven. I don't have to wait till I die to get to heaven, although I believe there's an eternal resting place called heaven. But I believe that Jesus' presence in my soul gives me heaven in the midst of hell. So even David, the psalmist could say in the 23rd Psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. So what the David, is psalmist is saying, I'm in hell, but I got heaven in me. So I never allow the pain I'm going through me to have an undue status report. So the proper status is pain as a status, but it's not going to undo what I already possess. I possess Jesus. And so I think you live in a place where you're constantly bringing your mind back to Jesus. His mind is, stayed on the, is kept in perfect peace, the prophet uh, says in, in the Old Testament. So I keep my mind on Jesus. And the other thing is that I think you have to stop. I know different people look at this differently. I would say this, is that I know what it's like to not have Jesus mm-hmm. in my life. I know what it's like to be depressed out of your gourd to where you wanted to end your life. Mm-hmm. And that for Jesus to show up yeah it's supernaturally so I say this I say my absolute worst day as a believer is infinitely greater than my best life as an unbeliever mm. and I feel like some people afford themselves the luxury that in the back of their head if it gets too bad I could go back to what I was doing before Jesus I burn that plow so that <laughs> yeah. that that option is not there right so no matter how bad it gets it's already fixed in my head I I'm, I'm with Jesus I have no other option mm. you know when Jesus thinned the crowd out and said unless you eat my flesh Drink my blood, you can't follow me. And the disciples were kind of going, looking at him like Jesus. What you said is kind of harsh. And Jesus said, "Do you want to go too?" And Peter, I believe, was the one that responded. Jesus, where, where are we going to go? Mm-hmm. We left all to follow you. And yeah. so he had burned the plow, or that one guy. I think the Spaniard conquistador. He burned the ships so yeah. that the guys couldn't turn Cortez. around and go Cortez. He couldn't. Yes. They couldn't. They couldn't go and retreat. And so that those are some things that are very key for me and principles that I try to abide and try to live by. Principles that I've learned.
1: I love that, and I and I see you that I see you practice that. I think this is why I wanted to interview you about this because honestly, baby, I think you're one of the most disciplined people in this area, and I think you're probably one of the most consistent people I've ever seen. That no matter what you're walking through, literally your worship doesn't change your your heart for Jesus, your sweetness, your kindness, your joy, your peace. It doesn't shift. And times I marvel because I'm like, man, I, I want to. be like you when I grow up. You're like my hero. I'm serious. Like you're so, you're so steadfast. I am more like, I have to like find my bearings more than you. You're like just so consistent. And I ask you these questions privately, but I wanted to make it a public conversation because I know if I'm asking these questions and I have the privilege of having someone to ask them to, but a lot of people don't have someone in their life that this is modeled, that it's actually possible to walk in a place that is, that is unrelenting in the peace of God that you just there's a steadfastness that you walk in. So I want to go back to being in the place of feeling out of control. Mm-hmm. And feeling out of control is when you don't have control, when bad things are happening. And it's mm-hmm. because of let's just create a scenario that you and I have both walked in, where it's other people's decisions that affect our life and that causes pain or hurt or mm-hmm. chaos. How do, how do you not get offended? And I I know we we hit on it with the job description. I understand that. But mm-hmm. I just want to take it even deeper because I think, this is where I think we can all get hung up at times as even followers of Jesus that when something happens that God could stop and I know that there's a difference of job description so I'm not trying to repeat it Mm -hmm. but I just think how do you stay unoffended at God um, in the midst of really painful circumstances
0: I think some people they it's subtle there there are a couple different thoughts you have on one end of the spectrum you have believers I believe that there's a bit of North American Christianity there's a bit of an entitlement yeah. Like, God, you owe me a good life. That's you owe good. me hashtag best life now. Yeah. I should prosper. I should have this. I should have this. I should have this. I should have this. All you got to do is read Fox's book of martyrs. All you got to do is see the persecuted underground church, a Corrie ten Boom, you know, different people. If you, you look at the disciples. I mean, we talk about how awesome it was to walk Jesus. Hey, all but John was martyred. And that dude was thrown in a cauldron of oil and supernaturally was preserved by God. But he died in exile on the island of Patmos, right, writing revelation. So I think on one end of the spectrum is a bit of an entitlement. The the other thing that I think is is significant for a lot of believers is to simply recognize Jesus died. He suffered, bled on a cross, a cruel, dishonorable death. Death by crucifixion by the Romans was very dishonorable. I think we lose sight of the fact that the Bible says that we're supposed to enter into the sufferings of Christ. We just don't talk about that. It's not preached. So I think, again, we think that a Little bit of like God's a slot machine. I'm going to put my prayer in, pull the hand down. I'm going to get triple bars all across. It's going to pay off. All my prayers will be answered. Everything I wish and want. But here's the other thing that I think is equally as important is that as far as God's concerned, we have to recognize your development is more important than your immediate deliverance. Now, I don't mean deliverance Ooh. from the demonic. Right. I don't mean deliverance from hell. Those things are clear on the spot. God's given you that. But I mean deliverance out of a problem, out of a sticky situation, out of a conundrum, out of, in a place of waiting, we think God owes us deliverance, but really God's more concerned about your development than it is mm. your deliverance. And that's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't pulled out of the fire. They were given the grace to, to endure the fire. Mm. They stayed there and they got a revelation of the fourth one in the fire. They wouldn't have had that had all of a sudden God just like did this thing and the angels came down and pulled them out. Yeah. And we forget Joseph, man, I mean, yeah, he, he was a right hand dude, to but the guy had, what, 13 years before that happened of right. just being lied upon, being misrepresented, thrown in prison. He's doing the yeah. right thing, but wrong things happen to him. Somebody needs to pull right now out the book of Genesis and read to Joseph. So I think the other thing, and and how how so how do we get through this? You can live on one frequency of life that's feelings, or you can live on another frequency of life that's faith. But so many people want to stay in their feelings, and I think modern culture feeds feelings in your field. And everything about feelings and hip hop artists talk about your feelings and everything's feelings. And so we want to share our feelings. Well, I just feel, 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 feel. But the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. I don't think we should deny our feelings. I just think that we should not give feelings the airspace or the decision criteria or, or predominant vote in where our mind and our lives go. You got to walk by faith. So somewhere along the line, you got to get in the scripture and declare, what does the word of God say? What do I know that's true about the character of of God and even if in that point in time say I don't have a specific scripture I can land on I don't have a prophetic word or God's not giving me anything I'm just going to believe his character but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose faith and if you if you could get there by feelings here's what I believe you'd have got there mm. so if you can't get there by feelings yeah. you know it's it's almost like we didn't get to London by car because you can't You can, we can get to the east coast by car because we had to get to the east coast we had a direct flight all the way uh, from San Francisco to Heathrow but you you would need a boat to get across the water part or you need to go air so it's almost like you can go by feelings that's only going to get you so far but if you go by faith then all of a sudden you're you're moving from being in a motorized vehicle on land to now you can go aerial and that's what god gives us faith so we're not limited to to our feelings
1: My gosh. Baby, you need to write a book on this. I'm serious. You really walk in a revelation the world needs, especially our world today. You know, it's interesting you brought up suffering because I think it is one of probably one of the most underrated places of discipleship. And we want to avoid suffering and difficulty and pain at all costs. But when I even reflect on my own life, it's actually the places of extended pain and suffering that have created the deepest root system within me. And I look at the places of breakthrough that have become sweeter because of the delay. Laid waiting. You know, a lot of my life I've waited for promises. This isn't true for everyone, but just speaking from my own story, my own experience, the Lord has allowed me to have extended seasons of waiting for deep desires and promises in my life. And when that sweet, when that breakthrough happened, when that prayer got answered, i.e., Mary knew I waited 20 years. And it wasn't all suffering, but there was times of suffering. There was times sure. of pain in sure. it. So when you came into my life, when I didn't expect it because it was so laid down. But that laid down that like that depth, that root system that God had developed within me. It was like, how much sweeter was it? Because it was just such, so, it was so given to God. But I also look back of what he developed between him and me and my identity in God, my trust, my surrender in him, all areas I can still continue to grow in. But I still had significant growth during those times and those years of extended waiting. So I just want to encourage the listener today that's going, my gosh, Krista, Sean, I'm in such a hard season. It's just been going on and on. We want you to know we've been there and we understand. And we want to encourage you that God's actually going to use your pain in a place of discipleship. And you're actually going to grow and deepen it. There's purpose in the pain. I actually find that incredibly encouraging because I'd much rather have purpose than I'm just going through it for no reason. I feel like that promise that God uses everything for his glory, everything, that means the good, the bad, the ugly, like he uses it at all, uses the places of pain for his glory, that means I'm going to see fruit in my life from it, whether it be breakthrough, whether it just be a sweeter place of intimacy between Jesus and I, which that alone is enough, right? But I just recognize, which I'm hearing you say, the deepest places of discipleship and growth in who we are come in extend- extended seasons of pain and suffering.
0: Yes. And the Bible is very clear about that, that we would know him through, and part of it, the the, the Part we leave out is the fellowship of his sufferings. There's a place and you alluded to it of intimacy of knowing God by going through it. And here's what I say like don't waste your wildernesses. Like, let your wildernesses be something that at the end of the day propels mm. you into your promised lands. Because if you don't have wildernesses, you won't have promised lands. And, and, and God started us so off good. with that typology right from the jump. He pulled his, his people, the nation of Israel. He pulled them out of bondage, but they had to go through the wilderness before they could get into the promised land. And the wilderness is your training place. David, he's out in the backside of a wilderness. Moses, backside of a wilderness. Jesus, backside out of wilderness. (laughs) It just goes on and on and on. And the Bible's clear too. The Bible says it. An inheritance gained hurriedly in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. And this thing doesn't doesn't happen just because you grind it. You know, like we we think, hey, team grind, I'll just work harder. And man, I'll just grind it, man. I'll get my entrepreneur idea up and going, man. I'm going to be super successful, man. I'll get my little music thing and I'm trying to produce or I'll get this other little, you know, Instagram, you know, influencer deal going. In the kingdom, you don't want your... Your stuff overnight, because if you can get it overnight, you can lose it overnight. Wow. And that, that that's so good. Even when they look at people and they say, Oh man, that guy or that gal, their ministry, they blew up overnight. No, no, no. You don't understand that overnight what it looked to you was like 30 years for them, 25 mm-hmm. years for them, 20 years for them, 10 years. Because the worst thing that could ever happen, right, is you get a platform, but you don't have the character. Mm-hmm. And so somewhere along the line, you've got to form that character with dealing with the contradictions, dealing with those times of waiting, dealing, uh, processing pain. That's why the worst thing someone could do is let pain take them out. When in fact, God allowed pain. Yeah, I'm not saying he sent it. He allows pain to take you in, not take you out. So if you really process it with the Lord, it can actually be your Uber car, Uber drive into the promises that God has for you. So it's just so important. So many people that when there's, things you can't wrap your head around. You don't understand. You don't know. Trust me, every single person you respect, they've been through it. And if they've not been through it, truth be told, they'll probably not be able to endure the success or the pressure or everything else that comes. You have to have character. And then we're seeing that no matter what venue today, whether it's professional athletes, whether it's in Hollywood, whether it's in the music industry, whether it's in IT, whether it's in finance, you're seeing people make horrible decisions. And it's because some of them took shortcuts and you you don't, want shortcuts and and the thing is is that when you don't have control you have to learn how to trust the one who is in control mm-hmm. trust That's is so good is is lesson number one in the kingdom uh, in fact one of the words for faith is actually the word trust and if you don't learn to trust Jesus you'll never get past Christianity 101a you're, you're a baby and the, and Paul says hey uh you you guys you've been here you you need to have moved on from the the milk you need to move on to the meat and so he's challenging them you've got to go deeper and going deeper is going in a walk of trust. It's a it's a it isn't a blind faith, but at times it's it's a walk where you won't have sight in the natural. Yeah, you don't you have, only a lot have visibility. Yeah, yeah, you only have sight by faith and by knowing the one who's leading you.
1: It's true, and that sight and faith and just the knowing came from the places of having to trust him when you couldn't see, it didn't make sense, and you didn't have the visibility, you didn't have the strong encounter, you didn't have the loud voice, or wasn't not the prophetic word. There wasn't the powerful encounter you're not getting people that people aren't praying for you it's in the really quiet silent place and God's like but who do you say I am who do you say I am and you're able to say who he is that he's still healer even with the diagnosis you're able to stay he's still good even in the midst of the contradiction the pain and the suffering and something I've learned in extended seasons of suffering and you brought this up in the area of trust is you know really for me surrender is so required in those places of suffering in order to tap into the trust. I can only tap into the deeper places of trusting God because the deeper I surrender, it means the greater I trust. I can't surrender where I don't trust. And and really God is looking for full surrender. I can only fully surrender where I fully trust him. So when he's asking me, like Sam Abraham Isaac moment, he's saying, Can you give me the son? Right. And yes. I and I'm like, okay, I can give you a leg, I can give you an arm. He's like, No, no, I want the whole child. I'm like, Ooh, I'm still holding on to one arm. Right. And and I have, and I've had that process where God like, can I have the whole child? And I'm like, I'll give you three quarters. And, and then i am noticed I'm still holding on, which means I'm still striving. I'm still trying to do it on my own. And I don't find that place of rest, right? right? Because I'm not surrendering. And so for those of you that have struggled, maybe like myself, where you have just had a lack of rest, there's even maybe been anxiety you've been dealing with. It's because God's inviting you in to a deeper place of surrender, which means a deeper place of trust, deeper the trust, deeper the rest. And so that's something I'm walking out. Out. That's something I'm still learning. I feel like I'm just continuing that journey of always trying to go deeper in my walk with Jesus. But I feel like someone today needs to hear that. I, I know that when you're in those places of, of just feeling the, the the pain and the hardship and you're going, why can I find this place of peace? And God's just inviting you to go even deeper, like beyond capacity. And He, what is he doing? He's expanding your tent pegs. He's taking you to a deeper place of trusting in him.
0: You know, right along those lines, I was thinking about when Jesus said to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon. And Satan has demanded permission to sift you as wheat and if I'm Peter I'm thinking and you told him no right <laughs> and of course Jesus goes on and he says I, I prayed for you so that after you have returned in other words after you get back up on your feet you will strengthen your brothers so what is the principle the takeaway principle from that is this what many of us call a faith crisis heaven calls a faith catalyst mm. like that was a faith crisis his Satan demanded permission that was Peter denied Jesus three times when he was apprehended he didn't he say no I don't know the man no I don't know the man he Called curses down on himself. That was a crisis of faith. You could look at him like he could have walked around, moped, went total deconstruction, walked away from God, went out in the world, went back. In a sense, he went back to fishing. But Jesus told him, after you get back on your feet, strengthen your brothers. What do we know about Peter? Simon Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, preaches the church's first sermon. He is kind of the rock of the early church until we see Paul come on this scene. Uh, really, he kind of takes more of a leadership role, probably about Acts 13. So from Acts to to Acts 13, it's really about Peter, but what we would call a crisis of faith, somebody right now is going through something they go, oh man, I'm in a crisis of faith. I challenge you to redefine and turn the narrative and Mm. recognize it's not a crisis of faith, it's a catalyst of faith. You're going to receive something that will bring strength to other people and will actually be your superpower at the end of the day. Mm. And so, So I'm like, I look at it like, okay, it feels like a crisis, but it will, if I stay with Jesus, it will be a catalyst. Mm.
1: My goodness, baby. You're amazing. I love well, your you're revelation. Sweet. Well, you're sweet. You know, as we wrap up this conversation, you know, I just I think I want someone to walk away with a practical and I think that whenever you're going through a hard place, a place of suffering, a place of pain, the enemy's always going after redefining who God is. You talked about it before you said it really well. There's a war over job descriptions and we often get them confused. You said this statement I thought it was really powerful, to keep our minds focused on Christ. That to me, there's the war. It's what do we, what do we keep our focus on? Where do we Set, how do we set our what do we set our minds upon? Maybe that's the best way to say it. Just with kind of that takeaway concept that we have with the Keep It One Hundred Tribe. How do, how do people do that practically? What's that takeaway when someone is walking through something difficult? How do they set their mind on Christ?
0: I think when you're feeling that pain, you're feeling that longing, you're feeling that loss. Let that in the same way when you feel hunger, hunger pains or pangs they call it. It moves you towards food, right? If You feel like oh man, my stomach's growling. I better go eat? Like what's going on? I'm hungry. When you're feeling lost, you're feeling lonely, you're feeling pain, you're feeling demoralized. Let that be, if you will, that inner prompting to go, I immediately need to press into Jesus. I think that many times we take a step back when we allow the substitutes. So I think one of the early things is that when you're feeling stuff going, try to trying to go south, don't get in your head, get in your heart. You're getting in your head. You're immediately trying to, oh, how bad it is. Oh, I can't believe why am I going through this? Hey, I, I, I let me try to figure out some solutions, all that. You're in your head. Instead, go to your heart and say, Lord, I need you. What is it? I'm feeling pain. Just be honest with the Lord. Talk to the Lord. I think those are so key that you include Jesus in it. Don't That's let so your good. problems separate you from your Redeemer. Allow it to draw you nearer to your Redeemer. And so you think about it, all the words for God is he's Jehovah Rapha, he's Jehovah Nisi, he's Jehovah Sitkanu. What are those? Those, if you go back and research all the origins of when, God's name was revealed, it was because his people had the absolute opposite of that. So they discovered, you know, mm. Hagar's in the middle of a wilderness, there's no water, her and her son's going to die. Ah, he's Jehovah-Rohi, a God who sees me. When they're like discovering they're about to die, I don't know, I think it was from snake bites. They go, oh, it's he's jehovah Rapha. So they get a deeper revelation of God meeting their need because in their pain, in their lack, in their contradiction, they look to the Lord and he was able to come through for them. So that needs to be the cue that we follow as well. That would be my takeaway.
1: Wow, that's so good. Keep 100 Tribe, I don't know about you, but I was incredibly blessed and ministered to by this episode just being being around it. I get to live with this man of God every day. I wanted you guys to hear the wisdom that he walks in because he's been one that's really impacted my life. I ask him these kind of questions all the time and I felt like this was an important conversation because I think so many people are going through really hard things right now and I just felt this truth and revelation was so key to share it with all of you. For any of you that are going through really difficult and hard times. I want you to be encouraged today. You're not forgotten. You're not overlooked. And you're not not seen. You have a God who loves you, who pursues you, who sees you, and he's with you. And I just want you to know God's going to get you through it. Where you're at is not your permanent location. But we have a God who does breakthrough. He is the God of Baal, Parism, the Lord of the breakthrough. And I just want to speak hope over you. I want to speak blessing over you. And I want you to know God has you and be encouraged today.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends, and be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms, and check us out at seanandchristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. AK100 Tribe, you do not want to miss our next episode. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com, where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.